All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Systems of Wealth podcast. I believe this is number four. I am your host, Noah Cronfly, and today I am joined by a very special guest, someone that I've been looking forward to interviewing here for some time, someone that I consider to be a friend, a mentor, an advisor, someone that has had a very big impact in a short amount of time since we've known each other, Rob. So I really appreciate that. So thank you, Rob. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. And when you told me uh, you wanted to have this conversation, like I was wasn't gonna say no. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. <laughs> you have been someone that, uh, like, just right off the bat, I like to start by just saying thank you, dude. Like, you really have had such a big impact on me and my my definition and how I perceive entrepreneurship and what it could be for me specifically. And so that's just something that I am very, very you know grateful for. Just getting to know you and build a relationship with you. So for anybody that is uninitiated on your long, illustrious career. Um, can you just give a quick background on you, who you are, and, and, and what, you're, uh, what you're working on at this point? Yeah, no, of course. So I have a long, windy background, as mm-hmm. I'm sure most entrepreneurs do. <laughs> and uh, really, my entrepreneurial uh, endeavors started back when I was in college, and you know, would just try to get businesses off the ground. I've had like an info marketing business that, you know, I started and made some money and then didn't know what to do with, uh, you know, I I, like didn't know how to scale, didn't know how to do anything with it. It Like, like, all right, here's money. What what do I do now? (laughs) You know, I have, uh, helped, you know, small businesses, you know, in my early twenties, you know, joined the CrossFit gym and helped that grow from, I wasn't an equity holder in it, but we had three members when I joined and then we grew that thing about half a million revenue. Okay. Um, uh, and then I ended up going from there and starting my own gym. And that was like my really first successful concrete entrepreneurial endeavor where I went, uh, raised a little bit of money, mm-hmm. uh, just investment. Uh, and then within the course of, you know, two months, well, it was a year for us to get the, the whole thing up and running, but within two months, we opened two facilities, um, you know, one in the, uh, Washington DC, like the heart downtown and then, um, one outside in the burbs where, where I live. Okay. And that went you know, really well. We were growing like crazy. This was back in nice. 2015. Okay. Uh, and then, um, you know, I ended up uh, selling my equity in that about 18 months in. And the uh, the reason for that was uh, just my partner and I didn't see eye to eye. Mm-hmm. And we uh, didn't see eye to eye on what it would take for us to go where I thought we both wanted to go. And maybe we saw differently about where we wanted to go. Um, That was a big uh, eye opener for me in terms of, you know, what it understanding one, the importance of having really good partners and then Mm -hmm. two, making sure that um, you guys are on the same page to what you work with. And three, like what it means to be the difference between a practitioner and a business owner and entrepreneur. Hmm. And I had an idea of that going into it, but then when, uh, when this whole thing came to a head, that was what our battle was all about. Okay. you know, she wanted me to be more of a practitioner of, you know, the gym, coaching people, coaching classes, being hands-on. And, you know, we wanted to grow to three locations very quickly. We had two, wanted to go to three. You know, you don't really start making real money until you get to four plus locations. Got it. Okay. So we wanted to scale this thing. And it's, you know, like you, you can't do it spending, you know, eight to 10 hours a day in the gym coaching. Right. People. Coaching. Yeah. And so, you know, again, that, that really nailed it home for me of like, all right, there is a difference between being a practitioner there's mm. nothing wrong with that if that's the path you want to be as an entrepreneur. You want to be yeah. a good gym or you want to be a really good trainer who opens their own facility, but you're going to spend most of the time doing that. You want to be a marketer you know, who opens their own agency, but you spend most of your time hands-on marketing. But there's yeah, a you want to scale. for sure. 
Um, so anyway, so sold the gym, sold my equity back to my partner. Uh, and then that's when I kind of pivoted into the tech world, uh, worked for an e-commerce backed startup, started my own digital marketing agency. Uh, and then uh, eventually uh, circumstances led me to uh, joining a venture capital backed startup called Rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cool opportunity uh, at the time. And then that kind of led me after a year there, led me to uh, where I am today, which is um, uh, I run revenue operations for a private equity backed uh, firm called Lumaverse and Got it. we buy software companies and yep. roam and then, and then sell. Things. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, that's great. What, um, like, where did you always kind of have like the entrepreneurial, like kind of bug and spirit? I know you said like it started in college, but like up until that point, did you have an idea of like, this is a viable path for me? Or was it like the traditional kind of like, I'm going to get a job and kind of do this? Like, what, what was that for you? Like growing up? Um, you know, it was never front and center. Mm-hmm. Um, because so like my, so my mom, uh attempted to start her own business back in the day and okay. she um uh i think it was like database management like sql management for you know larger companies um uh but she and it might even been like it sales stuff too yeah and i remember going on like meetings with her like sitting in the car while she went on these meetings and i was mm-hmm. like, probably like you know five six something like that yeah uh and i remember that and it didn't really register at the time what was going on and uh-huh. she had this company called Syncup for, for a, a while, um, but it never was like, it was always a part-time thing for her. Okay. For jam. Or yeah. Thing, right. And so I, looking back, you know, I might be able to retroactively explain like, oh yeah, like it runs in the family. Like, there was, mm-hmm. but like it was never at the time. I think it was one of those things where like I was lifeguarding, I was watching like dog sitting, lifeguarding, you know, in high school, you know, waiter, all this stuff. Yeah. And I was like, this sucks. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, keep trading my time for money. It was just like, yes. I came to it. Maybe I like stumbled across, you know, some like, you know, like it was one of those whole, like, how do I get rich? Things? Right. Like, yeah. That's where it's, that's where it starts. It's always where it starts. Right. Like what's yeah. the best for me to make more money? Yes. You know? Right. So then I think like most, uh, uh, well, you and I are from the Perry Marshall world. So a lot of, of Perry Marshall people, uh, come from the, uh, MLM thing. So like yep. I went to a couple uh, meetings for Cutco. You uh, did okay, yeah. My cousin did Cutco knives, yeah. So I did like two two meetings, and I was like, "Nah, this isn't for me." I'm like, <laughs> so I didn't end up like getting in full blown to it because like something just felt like not great about it for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was, uh, but like you know, dabbled in that, and then you know, like I said, I was kind of doing some like side stuff, just trying to like figure it out. Um, so I think it was one of those things that like, maybe, maybe I had a natural inclination for, but I didn't know how to verbalize it. Cause I didn't have a ton of examples of that around me okay. until in life when I started kind of like falling into it and then, uh, meeting, you know, other entrepreneurs and understanding uh, right. going on. So your first sort of, let's call it entrepreneurial endeavor and endeavor was the info marketing business. That might've been the first one. So that one specifically was, a, it was called uh, basketball wad weekly. Okay. So this, uh, so what I did is this was, uh, 2011, I think. Okay. So I would, uh, buy Google ads yep. and direct them towards a landing page where I would buy, um, or sorry, where I would, uh, uh, sell, uh, using PayPal, uh, you know, basketball workouts. Okay. Yeah. How old were you at the time? 20, 
this has been 20 or 21 I think. wow dude okay yeah um, amazing <laughs> it's amazing I did that and I can make a little bit of money I mean yeah like, I was making like 250 bucks a month or something all right yeah start somewhere yeah yeah but like what ended up happening is is I realized like I didn't like the hands-on work of writing these workouts ah uh, I see I so then I just like stopped I was like I don't know how to, and I didn't I don't know how to edit time like don't know how to delegate yes like I'm uh, looking back on it, I was like burning through a bunch of money on Google Ads. And right. No clue. Hopefully it's okay. I can curse. Later. Absolutely. Like no fucking clue what I'm doing. I remember I mentioned this to Perry uh, when I saw Perry Marshall when we were at Roundtable, uh, which is a, a for your listeners a, a mastermind group that Perry Marshall runs. Yeah. No actually met each other. Actually. Yep. Uh, but I remember telling him like, uh, I had your book back in like your your Google Ads book back in mm-hmm. like 20, 2008, 2009, 10, somewhere around there. And then I read it, started running these ads. That's what got me to this workout. It was like driving traffic. No idea what I was doing. Yep. Through a bunch of cash. <laughs> time. And then, uh, and then like that whole thing, I ended up just shutting it down or just lettering it peter out. Okay. Uh, and then like completely forgot about, you know, Perry Marshall and all that. And like six years later, I go and buy the book again. <laughs> and then I was like looking through my, uh, my library and I ended up finding it. I was like, oh man, like I remember. Amazing. So when you say like, you know, you didn't quite like the part of writing the workout plans, would you compare that sort of to like, again, the practitioner and the difference of like running the business, same sort of thing, like with the gyms, like you didn't want to be the coach sort of like you wanted to kind of operate the business itself. Yeah. I think that's probably one way to put it. Uh, Just my personality type. I, uh, I am the type of person who likes to put the system in place. Mm -hmm. not be the one who turns the crank on a daily or weekly, whatever basis. Right. 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 So if I'm told to do the same task over and over again, I very quickly fall off. That's yeah. Like, I, this somebody, I can write up the plan. I can delegate it out to somebody make sure they do it um, and make sure it's done to, to the spec in which I do it uh-huh. accomplish. But yeah, it's just not in my personality. I get bored too easily. Like, yeah. I, I'm with you. That's the next thing I got. to <laughs> That was it. It was just like really hard for me to sit down there was just like so much friction for me to sit down and write these workouts on a cadence. Um, and like, it's not like a time thing. I was in you know college or right. college, right? I had all the time in the fucking world. So it's, <laughs> like it wasn't in me to do it. And like today, this day, like I, I know that about myself, right? Yeah. I'll lay the pipe, but like somebody else has to go and, and make sure that it gets done. over. Right. Like, well, right that, le- that level of awareness at that age, obviously is huge. And what's interesting about like the, the beginning of a entrepreneurial journey or career, in my opinion, like I think the experience that you get from doing something like that and being hands-on obviously is much more valuable at the time than like scaling the business and making a lot of revenue from it. Like the, the experience that you took from that, obviously, and taking that to the gyms and running it that way obviously played a part in that. But like, what about the gym being like the vehicle of the next business? Like why going from like running an online business and kind of doing the info marketing and then obviously having in-person like physical retail locations like what what is it about that vehicle that sort of like attracted you as like okay this is the business that i want to build were you just like in were you just interested in crossfit or like and already working out or yeah where did that come from so i remember so i played basketball at mcdaniel college yeah school and mm-hmm. i was hurt most of the time when i was there you and i still have yet to play any basketball together rob we need to do that yes yes we do i, I gotta shoot some i gotta shoot some hoop it's one of those, like, I'm at the age now where uh, my skills are probably still there, but I'm so out of shape, like, you could probably never tell. That's the... <laughs> and, and I'm at the age, too, where I haven't realized how old I am. So, yeah, that's dangerous. Guys, like, I get really frustrated. <laughs> yeah. 
um, so what ended, so when I was at McDaniel, I remember seeing a guy in the gym training somebody else. Uh-huh. And this kind of goes back to like, you know, me like doing jobs that I was like, ah, like lifeguarding, whatever. I was like, ah, he's all kind of like, I don't really like doing this, but I like working right. out. Maybe I like, like training people. And I remember seeing this guy and I was like, oh, hey, how do you get into this? And then I just, I remember that nothing ever happened of that. It was probably like a year later or two later where I had just gotten my last knee surgery, was scheduled to get another one. That was oh, shit. Yeah, I was, it was scheduled to get one in like two or three months that was going to keep me from walking for about six months. Yeah. And I remember like hearing about this whole CrossFit thing. And like, you know, this if, if you know, anybody who knows CrossFit, there's kind of like two sides of it. You're either like really obsessed with it or you think it's the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> And anyone who thinks it's like really stupid will usually use like the, uh, you're going to get hurt really bad. You're going to get hurt. Right. Bad form jerking around. Yeah, of course. Exactly. So I was like, well, shit, I'm getting knee surgery and I'm going to be laid up so I can just hurt the crap out of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a lot of time. To right. So I up an affiliate that was near me, uh, at the time, the, there was only two in, in my area, uh, and it was called CrossFit done right. And so I went to it and joined and started working out. And basically the, the journey there was like twofold. One, it was kind of like down this like rabbit hole of interest in the fitness side of things because I ended up not needing the knee surgery. When I was oh. taught how to squat properly and my mm-hmm. uh, for the squat and my flexibility improved, my yeah. knee went away. I oh, wow. Had, I have a quarter size hole in my knee. Oh, right now, I had uh, um, my meniscus scoped five times. So Jeez. just like little snips out of it every single time. Aye. And like uh, my knee still swells a little bit, but like mm-hmm. pain is manageable. Like if I were to go, you know, practice, you know, five days a week, like I probably wouldn't be able to do it. But like, you know, I don't need to sit in front of the computer. You know, <laughs> you know I can go pick up like once a week if I want to and, and hold my own. And, like, right. Right. Just put me in the corner. Feed. Just feed me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I ended up um, uh, joining this gym. My knee pain like went away. Uh, and so that took me down one side of the rabbit hole. And then this other side was that the gym was growing rapidly. Now in hindsight, what I, and actually not even hindsight, what I realized a couple years in, because it took us three years to grow to a little less than half a million in revenue. Um, what I realized was that the owner didn't know what he was doing at all, hmm. but we were growing at a crazy clip hmm. uh, for, for, you know, a local business, right? Uh, a local business that didn't spend a dollar on, on marketing. Right. Right. And so, and, and what I realized is that we were just riding the CrossFit wave. Ah, uh, you know, we were the second gym. By the time we got to uh, to you know the, our peak, uh, there was like eight gyms within a mile radius. Mm-hmm. That's when I opened my gym. Uh, and so, what ended up happening is, is like I saw that we were riding this wave. Um, I actually went to his office. I remember this. I went into his office and asked for this was maybe two thousand thirteen like October, 2013, somewhere around there, mm-hmm. the owner's office and asked him for equity in the business. Okay. And I said, no. And <laughs> I was like, I'm going to start my own gym. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Right. Yeah. You know, at the time too. So, you know, I was with him from the beginning. Um, you know, he had like three, three people. Um, you know, I don't think in hindsight, I understand, you know, equity much better than I did back then. Mm-hmm. I did feel entitled to it. I understand now that, you know, when you equity comes down to um, not only the effort you put in, but the amount of risk that you're putting yourself into uh, 
uh, when you're starting an endeavor. Right. 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 So a lot of money that he put into this thing. And, you know, so like, I don't necessarily, you know, if I were to do it again, I'd probably make the same ask. Mm -hmm. um, it probably would have actually gone down very similar to how it did. <laughs> at the time, and it was probably good that I didn't understand it because I was pissed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was in the gym. I, was like, I felt like I was entitled to it. He really didn't give it to me because, and we had talked about to a degree of like wanting to scale that business. Mm -hmm. Part of it too was the dude opened a separate location uh, and didn't include me in the separate location. So Got it. Overall, yeah. <laughs> so, Screw this guy. <laughs> anything else, right? It was like, all right, I need to make more money. I feel like I've hit my ceiling here. Yeah. How can I do that? All right. I need to go separate myself from the employer right. and do my own thing and be the owner. And that's what's going to take me to the next level here. Wow. So this is a question that I've always wanted to ask you is like in those times where you experience, because that ceiling that you felt, like I've felt that at multiple times in like my whatever, you know, short kind of journey and career so far, those that, that, uh, the ability to kind of break through that and then we'll have the self-awareness that you're hitting your ceiling, but like, that awareness of like, okay, I need to go out and like, I asked for equity. He's not going to give it to me. Like, I'm not going to get any ownership in this. So I'm going to go out and do my own thing. Like, was there hesitation with like the risk of going out and doing your own thing? Like, how did you assess that risk? How did you find like the actual, like, cause most people are like, oh, like I'm, you know, it's fine. Like, I'm just going to stay in this position. Then like, how does, how did you go about just being like, you know what, I'm going to go do my own thing. Like, did you, are you investing in mentors? Are you studying? Like, what does that, what does that process really look like to have the confidence to go do that? So I would say a lot of it is ignorance was <laughs> some self you know like, yeah. resolve to do it and yeah dude and i love that to go do it and yes. you know, along the way like you know i you know uh sought out mentors and i i purchased like courses to figure like to you know things like i i invested in myself to figure it out of course you know, it was not a um uh, I, you know, in hindsight, you know, I don't, I don't think it was, there was any sort of like risk assessment because like, yeah. I, I didn't have a ton of money at the time anyway. So what's the downside here? And I don't honestly, like, I don't know the, the timeline in, uh, uh, of advice and when it was given to me, but I do oh. remember at some point, uh, when I decided to take this entrepreneurial journey, I remember coming across something that was basically like, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, like do it because the worst case is you can get a job anywhere right. else, right? Right. Like right. What's the, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is maybe you have like people laugh at you and and they're like, oh, you're a failure, blah blah blah. And like once right. you accept that, then you're like, all right, cool. Like you know, worst case scenario is I have a good story and like these people aren't my friends anyway, so fuck them. Yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> and like you know, I'll go get a job elsewhere. And I think that was very comforting to me to help me take that plunge. I think mm. I think that's the linear path here. I don't yeah. Know. I don't remember a hundred percent. But yeah, like the, you know, the, I went and talked to multiple investors mm -hmm. and I picked my, you know, investor based on his experience. So I made sure to align, you know, myself, I, I tried to mitigate my risk to a degree, right? Yes. I saw an equity, not debt. Right. right. I, I was given an offer of, of debt financing from me. Okay. Right. Yeah. And terms were not unreasonable, but okay. you know, I, I didn't want, that was a level of, all right, I'm going to be on the hook for this money. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I brought an angel investor who had a history of, uh, he was a marketer and I knew that we would need to understand marketing uh, at a high level to do yeah. that. Um, so that was, I brought him on because of that. His money was relatively cheap on the equity side. We never okay. gave a ton. Okay. We did get a better deal than I thought at the time, but it okay. was a deal I would have cut again, uh, given my circumstance and lack of leverage. Yeah. Time. Right. Um, and uh, I said I invested in, in different, you know, courses and stuff. Um, and so, yeah. Oh, and our, and our landlord was a client of ours. 
Okay. <laughs> this is one of those things like we've talked about like being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes around. Right. Uh, this dude owned multiple buildings in the Washington DC area. Okay. by us at the current gym we were at. Yeah. He really liked my business partner and myself. Okay. And so when, uh, and he was our current landlord at our, at our, at CrossFit done right. The gym we both started at. Yeah. And so when we started engaging in these conversations with him, like we knew that, you know, it, the lease was massive, you know, especially, you know, at that time, you know, it was probably like 500 K, you know, for a three or five lease. Right. And Ooh. so, you know, as a 25 year old, like, Dude. Oh, <laughs> yeah. but we did have a feeling that if we got into trouble that, you know, he would be very reasonable. We weren't going into somebody who was going to basically be like, you guys, you know, yeah, no. to the cleaners if, if we default. Right. Them, right. Right. So we did do things to mitigate the risk as we were going through the way. Uh, and, and we got lucky. We, we got really lucky that we had some of these circles. Like the dudes, uh, the dude that I got the uh, uh, angel investor from was a member of the team, right? Yeah. So for people, and we built these relationships, and we were just really lucky that we had these relationships built in our network. Right. Uh, and that could be something we dive into and talk about later. Yeah, no, I definitely do want to go into that, of course. Yeah, that, that, was, that was huge for us. That's, uh, you know what I find very interesting about that is like, because I, I've, it's, it's hard to articulate that and put that into words of like the idea of, starting without necessarily an idea or a vision of like what this is good, like connecting all the dots, obviously months down the line of what that's going to look like. But I think obviously like the opportunity and luck like that favors the person that is obviously continuing to show up every day and do something like that. And there, what, when I said at the top, like you have helped me reframe almost my vision of what entrepreneurship is or what it could be and the ways to the, like the, it doesn't, it's not like a specific box that like you put it into. And I think like, this is a term that I have that I've used for myself, it's called like the gray area of life, like looking for the things in between the cracks that like will give you a certain sort of leverage or a way to kind of get your foot in the door or just to get started. Because I think we, we, it's funny as like a, as an entrepreneur that we still do it, but like we have a very black and white definition of what entrepreneurship is or what it needs to be and feeling like, well, I need to, like for me, I've had, you know, my, my fair share of partnerships and obviously, you know, you were one of the ones that I went to when I, my partnership didn't work out last year. And so that's uh, to me is like a way to mitigate risk sometimes is to one, be aware of what you're good at in a partnership, but just be able to seek that person out and to kind of share in that together. Like what's your take on partnerships? How do you evaluate somebody that you're actually going to partner up and go into business with? Yeah. So I, as I've gone along, I, I initially, you know, after the, um, uh, well, actually, you know, I, I think I tried to do it myself before. So before I brought on my, my business partner at, yeah. uh, at our, our gyms, I tried to go at it by myself. Okay. And, you know, in the way I'm telling these stories and maybe the way they're being perceived, and it seems like I had a higher level of awareness at the time. <laughs> I, I, maybe I had a level of awareness, but it was- You do, and you did. <laughs> right? But I real like I wasn't going anywhere. Like okay. what we're trying to do, right? Yeah, it was yeah. a lot longer. So then hmm. you know, I engaged with- with uh, uh, my business partner and you know that started speeding things up okay and along the way what i've realized is you know i have weaknesses mm -hmm. and the awareness of those weaknesses is a very big strength for me and so yeah. i just seek out partners who uh who fill those strengths for me and i think the nice. mistake, uh, or fill my weaknesses and it's their strengths right, right. and the mistakes i've made you know in in mm finding partners along the way is maybe 
I think there's been two mistakes that, and I've had partners that, you know, we, we ended up having to, to cut ties um, and we did it fairly quick. Um, uh, it's real, real, we realized it wasn't going to be a good fit. Is I think one is um, not understanding or ha having too close of strengths and weaknesses. And mm -hmm. so things just weren't getting done or moving or the expectations were different because I might've expected one thing and he expected something else. And we just weren't aligned on it because right. we actually default to the things that we like and are good at and maybe right. too close from yeah. to be done. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think not, I've had uh, trouble with partners who don't understand what it takes to get something off the ground. Mm -hmm. There's like the faux entrepreneurs who haven't failed. Like entrepreneurship to me is a, is an endurance game mm -hmm. where like, and especially nowadays, everybody can get into it. It's very easy. Right. The barrier to entry. Yeah. So low. So low. Right. Yeah. But you, you're not going to get it right the first time. Most of course. Times. Right. Right. And there's all of these like faux entrepreneurs who who start a business and then they eventually stop because they realize how much work it is. And right. it wasn't that they have this innate like I want to be, you know, an entrepreneur or business owner. It's this is the cool thing to do. Yeah. Or like or I like, hey, I want the money thing. You know? Yeah. This is the best way to get money. But right. when uh, <laughs> you don't realize how much you bleed before the money shows up. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I've I've also butted heads with people who didn't understand the level of work that it took yeah for sure so then when you know things weren't moving as quickly or things got hard they were just like deuces i'm out and i'm like all right yeah i'm glad glad you realized it and you know i wish we'd realized it before but right it's, it's not easy no and it's okay like again like going back to like you helped me almost just like redefine what like my life and what my career could be is just being like I need to just play the game that like fits and suits me the best and only needs to make sense to me. And it doesn't have to, because like, it's just not going to like what my journey is and what yours is and what your superpowers are and what mine are different. And like our roles that we play, the type of projects that we attract are always going to be different. Like, what do you feel like is your, what's your superpower? Like, what do you, what are the roles in certain projects that like you look for that like you feel like you flourish the best in? So I've been told uh, that, I have like an innate ability to see the forest for the trees. Nice. And yes. When people, and I think my biggest strength is being able to look at the picture and zoom out at, you know, the 20,000 foot view, but then yeah. also zoom in and say, all right, now that we see the whole picture, here's where we need to address within that picture. Right. And so, I mean, I think strategically, you know, I'm, I'm pretty strong at, I think that's, that's one of, one of my suits, uh, one of my strong suits. And then uh, I really think another one is just, uh, which I've worked at over time, and I think is, is a, becoming a pretty strong suit for me, is is delegation. Mm -hmm. I've really started to understand. Glad you brought this up. Yep. Yeah. I uh, really started to understand like how uh, how to effectively communicate with the people that I'm working with and asking people what to do and making sure that people are doing what they're best suited for. That's been mm -hmm. something over the last couple of years that I've really, really focused on is like I would – you know, there was kind of two two times that I'd be failing when when working with with other people, and one is if my ask was not clear enough. Yep. And the second would be if my ask didn't align with something that they were naturally good at. Right? Uh, and so, you know, it mm. made me, you know, there are times where I'm like, all right, and, and I had to figure out why. All right, this thing, like, I am asking this thing beautifully. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know, in terms of like, this is the outcome that I want. Yes. Here's a step by step process for you to do it, and like all right. this still wouldn't get done. 
or didn't get done the way I needed to get done. It's okay. Like maybe, maybe this just isn't your jam and let me go find another thing for you to do. Right. 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 And I've found that a lot of times people will just write off other people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, versus depending on the situation you're in, right. Sometimes it's just like, I need, you know, uh, somebody to do this job. And if you can't do it, there's no other place for you here. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times what I'll say is like, all right, this isn't working out for you. Here's some other things that could get us to the end goal that we're still working towards. And I think this stuff might suit be better for you to mm. do some and see if this works for you. Right. 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 I talked about this, I think earlier this week about, you know, a lot of business owners, especially early on, a lot of entrepreneurs and even, you know, later in the game, you just don't have access to unlimited resources. Right. So you need to, you know, in order to, to get, you know, to continue to, to level up and get where you want to go, you need to figure out how to get more out of the people you do have access to given the resources you have available. And that's been a big, again, focus of mine. And I think a big strong suit of mine uh, of late that I've really been, been trying to um, you know, nail down. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I've always observed out of you of like your ability to like mobilize troops and come to back to a point of like, what's actionable? What are we going to execute on? What are we going to delegate? Like, it's something that I've struggled a lot with and something that I've observed of other, other entrepreneurs of like, I know for me, like the levels that I've experienced so far, and I'm curious to know if like, if it's the same, but like the original ceiling that I hit was when I was trying to do everything all on my own. Like I wanted to own it and control it. And I feel like what, as I've observed this and I haven't done it yet, but like to go from sort of like a, like a six figure entrepreneur or running a six figure business and getting sort of that seven figures and beyond it's to me, it's attracting talent and mobilizing that talent the right way. Like getting the most out of that talent, which is a much different skill set of going from the person that is like doing everything to relinquishing control a bit and putting other people in place. And almost like what I've found is getting the most out of somebody else ultimately pushes you forward, right? Like it forces you to continue to level up and do that. But like, how do you, how do you, how did you, and how does one sort of work that muscle of delegation? Like, where did that come from do you, from you? Did you have like uh, somebody that like showed you the ropes? Did you like, again, kind of go back to books and courses? Where did that come from? Yeah, a lot of it was uh, trial and error. There are two resources that kind of pop out of my head. Mm -hmm. uh, one is Josh Long's book, Yep. Uh, Bottleneck Breakthrough. Yep. And so he talks in there. There's a section in there about- I, I got uh, that on the bookshelf somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> bookshelf. Uh, he talks in there somewhere uh, about, uh, I, I forget what the section was, um, but he does, he, he has a framework that he used uh, and he talks about, you know, get on a call like once a week with your people, especially if you're at a you know business at a certain point working with freelancers and go and you get like a template that you go through to make nice. sure. Um, and I remember that. And um, I, and then what was his name? Tim um, and Perry, Perry Marshall guy. Tim does, Francis. Tim Francis. Yep. Yep. So I forget how I ended up getting to, to his stuff, but he had some resources as well. Cause he's got that, uh, like the VA hiring? Yeah. Yeah, great, yeah. Great assistant, I think. Yes, so. yes. Yeah. So he has great assistant and he's got some resources. They might be like super secret resources that you can only get through Perry Marshall stuff. <laughs> he has some resources on like his frameworks for doing it. Nice. And so I think between, you know, I've had a VA for uh, maybe like four years now. All right. So I think between, you know, like the uh, Tim Ferriss, you know, four hour work week stuff there. Yep. The, uh, you know, having a VA and just trying to constantly figure out how to, you know, get her to, to do the things that I need her to do. Yeah. Me doing less and less. Uh, right. And then, you know, those are two frameworks that I remember uh, going through as well. And I just kind of like chiseled away at it to see like what, 
what would work for me. But it's like anything else, right? You just got to get the reps in. Got to get the reps in, 100%. Got to get the reps. Um, you know, and this is kind of like it's my just a muscle. life in general. Is, mm -hmm. you know, I think we've talked about this. When you don't know what you're doing, yes, you just need to, to do stuff. Hmm. <laughs> and you can use courses and lessons and whatever, you know, but advice is never going to be a one-to-one -one fit. Right. right. And so you use that to help chisel away at, uh, at, you know, what your style is going to end up being. I was right. watching, uh, last night, actually, I was watching re, uh, clips of uh, Dave Chappelle getting the. Um, oh, is it the, the award that he, I don't I don't think it's the Tom Sawyer award, but it's something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And he was giving his speech about it. And he, yeah. he talked about how, uh, you know, when he was coming up. Like, you know, he was trying to figure out his style and like these are the guys that he started copying initially. And he's like, you know, any great comic mm. coming up, you know, you kind of look around you or look to your mentors and you, and you copy their style. Right. But it doesn't feel natural yet. The audience doesn't quite vibe with you yet because they yes. know you. Right. right. And as you get more and more reps and on stage, more and more experience. Then you start to chisel away at it, and then you eventually find your identity. Right. Like, once you're able to get to that point, like that's when things, you know, really take off or took off for him, right? Yes. And I find like it's the same here. It's it's hmm. any skills where it's not like a you know color by numbers fill in the blank thing. It's like, all right, let me go find some resources. Let me chisel away at it. Did this work? No. It didn't. Right. Maybe this did. All right, let me just keep chiseling away at it until I find the thing and the style that works best for me. Right. It's that process of chiseling away. Yeah, exactly. It's the, it's that process of going through it that like, but what's tricky about that and what I found to be daunting at times is like, you can find, you can obviously doing some search externally and looking for courses or some advice and some mentors obviously is helpful. But when you like to get to that point where you find sort of like, I mean, in the, you know, kind of comic with like Chappelle, it's like finding his authentic true voice. Like that is something that is found internally, which is not like tapping into and tuning into that voice is very, very difficult. But when you get to that place of genuine, like authenticity and almost like you're, you feel like you're just being creative and you're like, you're operating from like, this is what I do best. It's freeing. It's then it becomes fun. Then it's like, Oh, I, I have an innate amount of like confidence in myself to be able to like, bring things and just like create magic out of thin air. Cause it's just like, I know I have my abilities and I know what I'm good at now, but that doesn't come obviously from the very beginning, but it's like getting over that initial kind of hump, ultimately, you know, just committing to doing that. And again, without sort of like a vision of what that's going to be. I think the term that you used when we were talking about, I want to get into some books and our love for books a little bit, but the term that you gave me was one over N and I can't remember exactly what that meant, but yeah. Can you just like expand on that for me a little bit? So yeah, that is uh, a little, maybe like paragraph in uh, Anti-Fragile by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Yes. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and so what that is, is a strategy for dealing with uncertainty. And in uh, yeah. he, he frames it from the side of um, like trying to get what, what, you know positive asymmetry, uh, convexity effects is what he calls it. But basically, yep. if you don't, you know, it's the venture capital approach, right? Where if you have a pot of money and you want to try and maximize your upside, you spread your bets you know, as best that you can make, but spread them across as many attempts as possible. That's the end, right? right. So you have one, you spread it over N, as many as N affords you. Yeah. So then that gives you the greatest opportunity hmm. for upside in that scenario, right? Right. But if we're talking about like learning here, or, you know, in this case, like finding your identity, Right. It's the same thing about just like getting the reps in and trying, things. trying, you have to try as many things as possible 
in order for you to find it. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong, right? Mm. They, because it's a humbling thing to have to do that, you know? Yeah. You do one attempt and you fail and you have to be okay doing another one. <laughs> another one, you yeah. Know? <laughs> um, but that's the thing that's, I, I love about that um, just as a, a general strategy uh, is because it's so simple. Yeah. What it comes down to is just you, right? And I think yeah. a lot of stuff in life is much simpler than we make it, but hmm. we let like the things on the outside influence us and get into our heads, you know? And so it's, you know, when you start worrying about like what people care and like, oh, like how are they going to think of this? Or, oh man, if this doesn't turn out well, like people are going to laugh at me. Like, yeah. You know, then it keeps you from doing a strategy like that, but that's the strategy that's ultimately going to get you where you want to go. Absolutely. It was so fun. I used to always think like, you know, just when at the beginning and be like this one more opportunity, this one more try, and then I'm going to make it, I'm going to do it. And at this point I've failed so many times and I've tried so many businesses and tried so many different things that like I've completely lost count, but it's just like what I, what I know and what you and I have talked about. And I feel like I've told you this before, but like, I always go back to the, what I'm doing right now and what I'm working on right now is preparing me for opportunities that don't exist yet with people that I haven't met yet with projects that don't even exist yet. And constantly taking that approach to the same sort of thing of just like, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm just going to do it and do it. And then when an opportunity presents itself and you're like, oh, I am uniquely positioned and I've put in all of this work for this one little thing, because it just takes once. Like it takes one, one person, one opportunity vehicle, whatever that is to basically change everything. But I, I totally agree. I think we overcomplicate it. And it's just almost just like, we play safe and like it's it that doing that is uncomfortable and like I gotta pull some band-aids off and it's scary. But like again, without taking that step and doing it, and again, it doesn't need to be as dramatic and I think as a lot of people make it seem to be as like you just get started. You can and you can get started working a full-time job. Like you don't have to quit everything and tell mom and dad to screw off and like I'm not gonna listen to you guys anymore. Like you can get started with like again, like we talked about, with such a low barrier of entry of just getting started. And, yeah. and it's applicable to outside of, you know, the business world and entrepreneurship too, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I forget what the name of Richard Feynman's uh, book is. Oh, I don't uh, remember. Uh, I don't, but anyways, Richard Feynman's book, uh, I remember, I think it was in that book. I might be misattributing this, but there was an anecdote where he is uh, scared to talk to women, right? Hmm. He knows this. And so as... Uh, you know, as a scientist, uh, scientific mind, he runs an experiment where he just like sits on a bench, and anytime a woman walks by, he like forces himself to talk to that woman. Yeah. And he basically, did this over and over and over again until he felt comfortable talking to. Wow. Her, right. Yeah. I maybe completely misattributed that, but it, the story, the point. Stories. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's the same as like dating. Right. It's just like all right. I. I don't, you might have this, like, you know, I had this picture of like, oh, you know, I like short brunette girls, my wife yeah. is blonde now. Like, <laughs> like I, you know, it's one of those things where you don't know until you put it out there and, and your picture might be completely different. And so right. it's the same sort of logic. Yeah. Plumbing, right. It's, right. All right. You don't know what you want or you think you know what you want. Like, yeah. Go and, and find out and figure it out by, you know, going on dates and stuff like wow. that. Wow. So yeah, that's what I, it's universal to a degree of like, if yeah. you don't know, this is the strategy. Yes. And you got and I can't tell you how frustrated it is to see people who just like sit back and don't do that stuff. Right. And put themselves out there. Right. And, you know, have the same problems over and over again because they're unwilling to break through the uncomfortableness of deploying the strategy. Yeah, for sure. Dude, man, that's really good. I want to go back a little bit to 
you have brought up that you've had a VA and you've gotten, obviously you've, I know you've come a long way with delegating tasks, but I want to talk about like how, cause you and you and I like were first getting to know each other and started talking a little bit more. And like, you really helped me a lot with like the ability of my, of to get more, like to increase my capacity of work and to increase my output and not necessarily more time, but just getting better at what I'm doing with the time that is allowed, you know, for the, the type of projects that I'm working on. But I'm curious to just know like how you structure your days, how you get the most, like how you really show up to do your work. That's just something that I've, I know like you've come a long way with. And so, yeah, if you want to expand on that a little bit, I, I you know, I, I know there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, no, of course. I think, you know, for me, the the formula for personal productivity is, you know, intensity of focus, like multiplied by working on the right things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you work really intensely on the wrong thing, uh, or you can work on the right thing, but your attention could be so fragmented, you're not making really good progress on it. Yeah, right? right. And the, the working on the right thing is like an exponential multiplier. There's a, a yes. non-linear effect of working on the right thing. Yes, right? right. So for me, you know, I spend a lot of, I try to spend, my schedule, you know, doesn't afford it uh, as much as I would like, but mm-hmm. I try to spend as much time as I can thinking about what the right things are. Okay. Uh, and then uh, a lot of that time right now for me is, uh, well, once I've determined what the right things are, uh, a lot of it is, you know, writing up specs or, or delegating or figuring out how to get the right people or put the right piece of people in place to make those things happen. Right. You know, in terms of like a daily schedule, like I, I am lucky uh, as of, you know, the last, you know, probably or unlucky in the last, you know, six to 12 months to really not get more than if I get a two hour stretch in the day to work on something. Dude, yeah. It's a miracle. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, if I can get an hour 30 minutes, uh, you know, like I'm desperately trying to put as much attention and focus into it as I possibly can. Right. Um, but also a big focus of mine, which, you know, you and I had talked about uh, a, a long time ago um, is, you know, how do you minimize the distractions in your life? Yes. Focus on things more intensely. This is such a big problem of mine. Yes. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, as you know, as I told you, like I'm in the process of building an app to help with this. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, cause like I, I, you look around and you, you, you can like, you know, there's so many things vying for your attention. Always does not stop. Yeah. Your communication channel, Slack and email, like, you know, people won't say it, but you know, we all potentially have a mild addiction to social media or for sure. technology, right? Yeah. Just the, your phone. Or yeah. Like, the stimulation. Yeah. That, like dopamine. Hit, right. right? Right. And so I'm constantly, you know, scanning my environment to figure out how I can minimize the intrusion of outside focus uh, uh, or outside uh, vying attention, outside external things, I guess, vying for my attention. Right. right. So, you know, turning all notifications off on my devices. Yeah. Like freedom to, to block out time. Um, you know, it's just it's it's constant and it's a never ending battle. Um, and I think but I think it's really important. Right. I think it's one of those things where, you know, if you spend a time and energy trying to figure out how to minimize your distractions, the uh, productivity you can get out of the time that you're putting into work is you know, much greater. And that's kind of a big, big motivator for me. I was telling uh, uh, I have an intern at Lumiverse and I was telling her the other day because she's in, uh, I think, like business and finance is her degree. And I was telling her, I was like, I got a friend who's in uh, uh, 
he's at law school in Chicago. I forget the name of the school, but it's like a direct feeder into the to the banking system. Okay. Yep. His ultimate goal is he wants to get into private equity. Okay. And private equity is like, you know, if you get into private, it's very like ruthless, especially that route, right? Hmm. Very ruthless, cutthroat. Um, it's very, you know, difficult to get there. But if you do, like, you're making you're making good money. Yeah, big money. <laughs> and so I told her, but he's, you know, he's he got I think he had an internship at Goldman Sachs and okay. he's putting in like, you know, hundred hour, you know, weeks and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, told her, I was like, my goal ultimately is to uh have at the end of my life have more wealth than him, but work one quarter <laughs> is my goal, you know? And, yeah. And so I told her that. And like, you know, I, I say it like kind of jokingly, but like I no. As my uh, as my north star, right? yeah. Where it's like you know, I I you know have a almost eighteen month uh, year old son. Like yep. you know, I want to make sure I spend the time with him, and so I artificially put parameters in my day. Yes. And so then now, yes. like, all right, if I'm blocking off you know these couple hours at night and this hour and a half in the morning and this hour and a half in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to touch those times with work. Yeah. Then the question becomes, how do I squeeze the most impact out of the rest of my schedule? My yes. And then again, that goes back to working on the right things and right. trying to focus intensely and trying to hmm. minimize all the distractions that are going on in my life. Yeah. Cause like my, my big thing was, and then we, you and I talked about this. It was like, I am, I, I struggle with like, I see like the email badge notification. I'm like, I just got to jump in there and I got to clear it out. And then if like, you know, once my deck is cleared, then I can like focus and I can do it. And like ever since you and I had that, yeah, go ahead. I was like, the deck never gets clear. It never, it's never stops. No, it never stops. But like, that's, I think there's two points here. It's like one, ever since you and I talked about it and I have just become more conscious and more aware of it, of setting up my own internal system for productivity, what works best for me. I just, I find, and like you and I talk about this all the time. It's just like, I don't feel behind on projects. I feel like I'm, I'm like in the groove with things. I got my finger on the pulse. I can, I I can like easily sort of like change what's happening, like in the moment, because I'm just so ingrained with it, with what's happening. And I just feel more peace as I approach projects, which like, to me, again, it's just like, that as I've am as I've tried to optimize kind of more and more for that, it's just like how do I want to feel as I'm doing my day to day? Like I want to feel at peace and have the space to be creative and do those sort of things and not feel like I'm responding or like the world is like trying to steal my time. Like you just can't do it. You got to create those constraints around you. So so yeah, man. Like that's that's so powerful. Another thing that I want to talk about with you that we haven't gotten into yet, and I know I want to be respectful of, of your time, but I want to go back a little bit to like your relationship with money and how your relationship with money has evolved over time. And I know you talked about it like a little bit, like some of your successes, like from the very beginning and sort of stuff like that, but like your ability to like go and like, even like have the conversation about getting equity or like talking to investors and bringing in and like leveraging that capital for like starting the gyms. Like that is to me is like pretty advanced sort of stuff. Like where was your relationship with money? Like even like growing up and sort of like getting started as an entrepreneur and how is your, how has it evolved over time? Yeah. So, you know, I never understood, I, I it took me a long time to actually understand money. Um, you know, growing up, you know, I, you know, we weren't you know, poor, but you know, we were, I think we were firmly middle-class. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Same here. Like slightly, slightly lower middle-class than me. We were house poor is what my dad used to tell me. House poor. Okay. House poor. Yeah. And, no, I, I mean, I remember, you know, like, you know, again, we, we, we weren't poor, but I remember, you know, like we, we, we wouldn't be eating the best stuff all the time. Right. <laughs> it was very simple. And, 
uh, you know, be like, hey, why is this, why is this meal so small? <laughs> yeah, like things like that. But again, yeah. like, we, we were fine, well off. Like, yeah. you, know, you know, and I think, you know, part of that was, you know, like you know, I went to, to private school. So, you know, part mm-hmm. of it is you spend money on, you're, you're poor based on the amount of money that you have at the end of the month. Right. It's, it's the, the ratio. Money. Yeah. Right. Yes. No matter what, uh, uh, how much money you make, it's what you keep at the end of the month. Bingo. <laughs> Yes, so there might have been things that uh, you know we were spending as a family, spending money on that we should not have been spending money. Right, we should have been spending. We prioritize things over others, right? Bingo. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, and I always worked. Uh, you know, it was always like dog sitting growing up. Um, so I understand. You know, I remember like picking weeds in a garden for a neighbor. Like, so I was always, and I think my my parents made sure like we understood. You know, like, hey, we're not an ATM. Like, you got to go work. <laughs> right. Like, I understood that. Um, but I think where, you know, going to college, you know, I went to McDaniel uh, and it's a very expensive school mm-hmm. and I didn't understand debt, didn't understand student loan, anything. And I just signed some stuff and, you know, a couple of years later, I realized I'm like 70K underwater. And so, <laughs> Gosh. You know, and I think it's, it's a travesty to not teach kids about that. Right. I don't know whose fault that is, but like, it's, it's almost criminal to, have an 18 year old sign in something that puts so much debt on their head yeah. uh, and puts them behind right? just from, from the, the jump. jump. Yeah. So, so I didn't know enough about that at the time. And so for for sure. me, that's something, you know, I want to make sure that, that my kids understand, especially debt um, and the role that debt should or shouldn't play in your life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like I said, it, did, it took me a really long time. Uh, you know, I, I always, knew about the trying to make money side and like working really hard, had jobs, like trying to go at the entrepreneurial thing, but I didn't understand the, it's what you keep at the end yeah. of the day. Yes. Right. You know, right. So it just felt like I was trying to fill a bucket with, you know, a, a you know, bucket with, with of holes. holes. Yeah. <laughs> sand and it's all coming out. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. And it, and it compounded because, you know, I live in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is a, you know, one of the more affluent places in the world, not Orange County affluent. <laughs> <laughs> But we're up there. <laughs> yeah. And so you look around and it's like a it's like keeping up with the Jones situation. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think it wasn't until I decided to just not care about keeping up with the Jones. Ah. We started to understand money and start coming into my own in terms of uh being able to make and keep money. Got time. it. Right. So uh so let me see so like with the equity piece right like a lot of it was just out of necessity you know all right i think i had like an intuition again of uh you know debt is going to put me in a more risky situation yeah so you know the conversation with equity i, I part of it was i was just lucky lucky to have you know uh, uh you know somebody who was have, willing to have like respected me enough to have a candid conversation with me about it and like mm-hmm. i said you might have slid a couple things under where it's like, all right, this was actually a better deal than I thought it was. Yeah, right. <laughs> but again, it would have been the same no matter what. But again, I was I was lucky to have somebody who was you no. Know, I remember like sitting at this dude's place at like midnight on a Tuesday, and we were just going line by line through the operating agreement. Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. And what does this mean? What does this mean? Yes. Okay. okay cool. Like going through that. Right. So that was just a great great lesson. And again, I was lucky that I didn't have somebody who you know came and you know, completely took me to the cleaners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and I, again, I think it was just lucky that a mentor, I had a mentor there, um, you know, but I was, I was still not making a ton of money at that time, (laughs) you know? Right. I think when, for me, I'm a, uh, you have to learn your lesson kind of guy before it sinks in. Right. (laughs) 
And so, you know, I think it was like right before I sold the gyms, you know, like I'm not making a ton of money. The gym is making a ton of money, but I have yes. the money that I want to make for this area. hundred percent. Right. And, um, and so then it was like, we got to the point and then I had this opportunity to sell and like, and I, but I experienced this where it was like, man, like things are squeezing. They feel really tight. And I don't mm. like it at all. Yeah. And so then when I sold the gym and got this nice big check. Right. I was like, well, we got to do things a little different. We don't, have, <laughs> we don't want this to happen. I'm not coming back to this. Yeah. And so at that point, what I ended up doing is, uh, you know, I made a huge priority to pay off all of my debt. All right. And so, you know, for the next, you know, two, three years, like, you know, I, uh, I'd met my wife at the time we've been dating for like four months, five months, decided to move superstar her. shout out Josie, you know, part of it, part of it was love. Part of it was, uh, we wanted to, uh, save a bunch of money. So we, <laughs> together, yeah. you know, and then, you know, we just, we started, uh, just, she had student loan debt. I had student okay. loan debt. I had credit card debt from opening the gyms. Of course. All right. Like, you know, debt is not good yes you know, not a good position to be in right so we really just focused on you know let's let's get this thing paid off as quickly as we possibly can. got it okay big focus for us for the next couple of years yeah and then you know at that point once you once you get to that point where you don't have debt it's kind of like a breath of fresh air right yeah you can focus on just like stacking ownership owning yeah. assets yeah you go again you go you start you know you start having money in the bank to do stuff with right um, you know, you can go start like like investing in businesses, you know, uh, and getting stuff off the ground, having vehicles that throw cash back at you. Right. Uh, it all starts with, and I was like, if there's any takeaway, I was thinking about this before we hopped on. Yeah. If there's any takeaway that like, you know, your, your listeners would want to have, it's just that, like you have to stay in the game. You have to, uh, make sure that you aren't carrying debt because it doesn't matter mm. how much you have. Uh, if you owe somebody else an equivalent amount of money. Yeah. Know? Right. And debt is a tool to use. Right. To, you know, typically on the business side, like I'm very strongly opposed to commercial debt. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very leery and, you know, people will disagree with me uh, on this. Um, I'm very leery about getting a mortgage um, depending on how much cash you have on hand. Mm -hmm. right? right. You know, and realtors and well, people will disagree with that statement and whatever. Right. Fine. But I think at the end of the day, it's just that, again, like for me, it's, you know, if you take on debt, you need to be very thoughtful about what it is you're taking on and what potential risk you're putting yourself at. Yes. It's going to cause you to, because debt is also, is a positive feedback loop, right? You take on a little bit of debt, you take on a little bit more debt, mm -hmm. uh, thing popped up, you got to take on a little bit. Yeah. Besides paying down the stuff or off the stuff you already have. Right. Then it's, it's going to cycle over and over again. And, and I, you know, can give a pretty firm example of that. Like there was, you know, when I still had debt, there were, you know, surprise expenses, medical expenses, or, you know, like car accidents or something that would pop up. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the cash then you have to take more debt and to take, to pay off that. Using debt to pay for more debt. And yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then, you know, like nowadays, you know, if we have, you know, medical merger, like we had a baby, right. You could slap with a 10 K hospital bill. But then you just pay it off in cash, right? Right. And now you don't have to worry about it and it's not hanging over your head. And yeah. A 10K bill, but like, you know, cool. Like, I don't have to worry about it anymore. And we had the cash on hand to do it. And right. It didn't sting in our overall, you know, uh, uh, financial plan. So yes. for dumb, it didn't <laughs> collapse our overall. Right. <laughs> so and it's just a much stronger position to be in. Right. And I just strongly urge you to not necessarily worry about pushing 
the uh, upper limits of your income and trying to get to that next level until you have you know that taken care of right hmm. debt on your hand or minimal debt right that serves a purpose right and, you know you have your lifestyle under control because oh, wow. you're going to hit a, a ceiling much much quicker and you're going to be very lucky you it's a recipe to not get to your ultimate goals if you're if that's your base that you're working off of. big time yeah yeah i mean it's like i've i've, I've experienced it like it's it's difficult to prioritize or to to like be tuned in to like be creative like what's happening like in the in this if you're thinking about like almost just like what's bogging you down like what's it feels like the the level of water is like right there and you're like i just can't quite get your breath and i think using or viewing debt as this is like basically cash like having access to the capital is great and i think it does have it serves a purpose for sure but using it or having them frame of mind of like i'm going to treat this as cash and I'm not going to let this stack up and continue to stack up on me over time is huge. Um, I know we're at the top of the hour. So I, I just want to ask one more question before we jump. Yeah. If you were to give advice to your 25 year old self, what would you go back and tell that, that sweet, handsome Rob? You know, I would tell him, uh, I would tell him he needed to start living within his means much, much quicker. Dude. Yeah. Huge. You know, I, I think I was at that time, you know, we had, I just opened the gym mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I, you know, was still like going out and partying and drinking and like, you know, you spend a lot more money than <laughs> doing that stuff. Right. Um, and so I would just say like, you know, that, that set me, that delayed, you know, getting to the next level for me. Right. To go, you know? right. Um, and I think if, if I had to do it over again, like I would have made sure that, you know, and I, I had people around me, like I said, living in the area that I live in, like, when everybody else is 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 spending money left and right, and you also can't see whether they're putting it on credit cards, or like well, you don't you don't mm. know what their financial no. is, right? Right. I'm actually, having this conversation a few days ago, where it's like, you know, I found out somebody uh, that I know who like spends money like crazy, who I thought had more money than they did, they were actually they're heavily in debt. Got right? it. But like from the outside in, you don't, you know, you just see this person who's spending all of this money, and you're right. like, hey, must be doing well. Yeah. You find out that like, oh no, they have a lot of debt. Yes. It changes your perception of it. But right. it's, where it's like, you don't know. So just assume, like this is my mindset. Assume everybody is just, <laughs> is trying to floss, right? It's right. <laughs> trying to put on the show and right. you don't have their, their house in order. Yes. You know? I love that. To have because then, you know, the ego side of you is like, I don't care that they're spending money over here. I, my bank account is, you know, debt free. Yes. I probably have a better, you know, cash to debt ratio than they do. Right. Like, that's, you know, the, the metric that you optimize for is the, the most important thing. Right? Yeah, dude, that's so, beautiful. That's I'm optimizing for. And if I have to pretend like I have no idea what their situations are, right? right. Pretend like I'm better than them, then <laughs> guess where I got to go. For sure. Well, there's, there's two takeaways there that I want to just harp on a little bit is like, the same way that we set constraints for our time, right? Like time blocking and setting that constraint. It's the same sort of thing with your finances, like setting a budget or locking that in or identifying it. And again, like having your finger on the pulse. Cause again, like there's no, there's no like cap to the amount of money you can spend. Like you can, you, I could spend it infinitely. So if I don't set the constraint for myself, then like I have no, I have no, I have no metric to work against. That's a big one for me. I've always operated with like, I'm going to live off of X amount of money a month. And like, that's the way that I, I just set that constraint and I work against it. And the other one is sort of like the, the feeling of how can I articulate this? Like what I like about the vision of like building wealth for me, I've always viewed it as like digging roots of a tree. 
and like what the like your bank accounts, your assets, like your structure are the deep roots that are invisible to everybody. Nobody can see that stuff, but that's what makes you strong. So like that tree that starts to grow, like if that's built on a, not a strong foundation and it gets struck by lightning or like a medical emergency or something, you know, that we don't know, like that tree is just going to top right over. That's not what I want to do. So maybe like, yeah, to the outside world, people can't necessarily look in and see like, you know, maybe to like, you know, I'm, I'm not, maybe I don't have the nicest clothes or the nicest house or the nicest car, but like, I'm strong and sturdy and structured. Like I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Like I can handle everything that's coming at me. Like I'm that, that to me gives me peace. It gives me freedom. It gives me harmony in my life that like, I can't put a price on that anyway. So like, that's huge, man. That, that's really good advice. Seriously. Thank you so much. That's awesome. And I think um, just to, to kind of tie a bow. Yeah, in, please. The, um, you know, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, like, you know, about the, uh, the, uh, one over end strategy, right? Yeah. Yeah. The stuff ultimately, I believe like the strategies for life are not that terribly complicated. Right. Yes. The complicated thing is your, how you deal with the environment around you. And right. so, you know, you got to right. take care of yourself and you got to make sure you're in a good situation because, you know, if I, if I want to test out different things, I need to be comfortable with failure and be okay with how other people may or may not perceive me. Right. Right. And if I want to, you know, save money and build a strong foundation, I need to be comfortable mm. not being the one who's spending out much mo most money or saying no yeah. to things. And then other people being like, why wow. did you say no to that? Right. Right. Or like I remember, you know, hanging out with some people back in, in my mid twenties and they would just be like, Oh, just put it on the credit card. It's fine. This is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I'm like, mm. You know, that doesn't seem like a system. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right. Right. So like, but but it's tough. Those things are tough. tough yes. You know, tough to, to do those. So you right. gotta make sure right in your in your head and where you're at in life in order to then uh put these very easy uh uh strategies into practice. Right. right. Like, things are the things that like are gonna get you where you need to go. Dude, I love that. So many people can't get to where they want. Yes. I think the saying is like, you make the hard decision. Now it's easier. Like later on, you make the easy decision. Now it's going to be harder later on in life. That's it. But it's the same thing with like how you like approaching, like, like food that I'm going to eat. Like if I make the easy decision to like, you know, eat something, eat some fast food right now, like I'm ultimately going to pay for that decision. But like, I don't, I don't necessarily want to eat the meat and the rice, but like, that's what I'm building. Like the foundation on it's going to make my, I'm not going to have to worry about spending money on hospital complications when I'm older, spending my time in a hospital bed. Like I'm going to take care of that stuff now, yeah. dude, that's beautiful. And again, that applies to like all different areas of our lives. Yeah. That's huge. Rob, you're a superstar. Thank you so much. Again, I want to say thank you for the impact you've had on me, the way that you have stretched what I felt like is possible. I, I just love your approach to life in general. There's so much more that you and I need to talk about. And I want to have you back hundred percent to talk about our love for our books and yes. uh, all that, all that stuff. So um, again, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Everybody appreciate you guys spending some time with us today. If you are watching on YouTube, make sure you like and comment and subscribe. If you're well, listening on a podcast platform, don't forget to leave us a review and share it with somebody. You know, we want to put uh, put this information out there for as many people as possible. And again, Rob, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I will uh, see you guys all in the next episode. All right.